Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. Amen, amen. All right, so I need to um, prefix my reading today um, with a few thoughts, because Paul is, is ranting here in this passage. Uh, basically ranting, uh, and why he's ranting is because of false teachers that are gaining popularity, okay? They are boasting about their accomplishments, their knowledge, and all of those things, so Paul decided to go on a rant. And somewhere along the line, he admitted, too, that he was taking liberty to talk the way he was talking. In fact, he actually said, that's why I chose the New Living Translation. He said, I'm speaking like a fool. So everything you hear him say, take it with a pinch of salt, because he's literally saying, I'm not supposed to be saying this, but I will say it because of all the people that are saying what they're saying. So what he chooses to boast about, though, is why I believe that the Holy Spirit permitted this passage to stay in Scripture, so that we can see the context for it and see what he chose to boast about. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 16 to verse 33. I'm going to read the New Living Translation. I will read it. Just follow me uh, on the screen there. And if you have your, your physical Bible, you can turn there as well, okay, and read along with us from verse number 16. Here is what it says. Again, I say... Don't think that I'm a fool to talk like this. But even if you do, listen to me as you would to a foolish person, while I also boast a little. Such boasting is not from the Lord, but I am acting like a fool. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities in the deserts and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty, and I've often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. If I boast, he says, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. If I boast, (laughs) I would rather boast about the things that reveal how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket 
through a window in the city wall to escape from him. Quite the resume you have there, Paul. Quite the resume. And you know what's interesting is that you are going to stand face to face with this fellow Paul. And you'll be sharing your stories on earth about the things you did for God. What are you going to tell Paul that you did? What are you going to share? You know when you meet an old friend and they're telling you where they've been and how life has been. And they're telling you all the stories. Listen to what Paul is saying here. What are you going to say? I came to church one day that it was raining. What are you going to say? I'm, like, I'm serious. Like, think about it. What is it that you're going to share that was your, was your peril? So to, this morning, I want to preach a message to you that I've titled, Rescued from Comfort. Rescued from Comfort. You see, when I was growing up, um, and when I was getting into my, my young adult years, and uh, my, my, my talents and skills and all of those things started to show up a little bit. I started getting into graphic design, uh, marketing, advertising, and all of those different things. Um, I met somebody who was my, my, originally my dad's mentor, who eventually somehow became my mentor. And we started to do things together. He invited me to you know, help him with some marketing things. I, you know, he was running for elective office in Nigeria, and I did all these campaign posters, and one thing led to another. I ended up living with him. So I was in his house. He gave me a, a place to stay. It was, you know, I was comfortable. Life was good, <laughs> you know. So even when the campaign was over and all of those things, I was still living in his house and everything was okay. One morning, though, he, he woke up and came to knock on my door and said, I, I want to see you in the living room in a few minutes. So I thought, oh, we have another job to do. Here we go. You know, I was excited. And I went to the living room. And he sat me down that morning and said to me, I'm kicking you out. And I looked at him, I'm like, okay, did I just hear what I heard or what's going on? And he said to me, he said, you are, you are great and you are going to be very great. You are, you are very talented, you are going to go very far. But if I keep you in this house, I am not helping you. I need to kick you out so that you will find yourself and you will discover that greatness that is on the inside of you. Uh, when he was saying this, it sounded like gibberish. So don't, I'm, not, I'm smiling now as I'm sharing the story, but when he was saying it, I was like, what is this guy what, what is he trying to do? So he told me this story about the kangaroo and how that when they give birth to a child, all of these stories sounded like rubbish to me then. You know, it just started to make sense many years later. Uh, that when, when the kangaroo gives birth to a, a child, uh, they don't just leave the child there. They kick the child over and over again, far from them, until the child realizes that if I don't start walking, I will die. So it's kind of like the story of the ego where they let their, their young ones down from a height and when it's about to fall, they, oh, you know the story. Okay. They catch it, and then they take it back up just to teach it how to fly. It's the same thing with it. But he didn't tell the eagle one. It was the kangaroo one. And that one was kind of weird, you know. So he, he kept saying, he will kick him, and he will kick, and he will kick, and until the, the child realizes that I've got to get going here. So I'm going to kick you out of this house. By the time I get back today, I don't want to see you here. <laughs> Go out there <laughs> and be all that you can be. And he left. And I'm like... Did this just happen? You know when something happens to you and chills go all over your body? I'm like, did it just happen to me? And to cut the long story short, that was the beginning of my life. That was the beginning of, you know, from that point was when I went out there and, you know, started my publishing company, started publishing books for all these massive people and did all these great things. In fact, all the way to the fact that eventually when he got an appointment in his, in his state, a uh, government appointment, he invited me, because I started my, my publishing firm there and we're doing all those things. He invited me as the consultant to a youth program that he had. So he was supposed to train the youths of the state. Uh, and those of them who were interested in journalism and mass media and all of those things were supposed to come up with a project that they would do, like a magazine they would publish. I was the one that trained all the youths. 
that did this job and we published this magazine, what he paid me for that job was more than all the money I earned working for him all those years. So then the whole thing came together in my mind that, okay, so this is what this man was actually trying to achieve with this. But at the time, because no correction is sweet when it's happening. There's nothing. So we, we talk about Jesus came to die for our sins, and every time we talk about it, we don't think about the fact that Jesus did not come to die for your comfort. Now, he came to give you comfort for your soul. That's a different thing. But to make you comfortable, no, sir. That's what I want to talk to you about today. So in our text, Paul gives us his ministry CV, and it's basically full of suffering. There is nothing there about cars or houses or airplanes, even though those are good things. Nothing about that. He's basically really now the list of sufferings that he endured. No miracles that he performed. Did you see him there say, I raised dead people? I opened blind eyes. I, I healed this. Did you see any of that there? Oh, are you with me? Did you see that there? No, it's not there. It's not. It's not. Why is it not there? Why didn't he include did he, did he perform miracles? Yeah. Of course he did. But that was not part of his, his boasting. It wasn't part of the things that he was, he was, because Paul was not the only one that performed miracles. But Paul was the only one that suffered that much. So others can boast about accomplishments and things like that. But what people don't boast about is suffering. Is that <laughs> I am suffering. <laughs> nobody boasts about that. <laughs> because nobody wants to go through that. Nobody wants to go through that. But Jesus did not actually die to make us comfortable. Now, when we, when we like I said, I was, I was thinking about this and I was saying, God, why would you give me a message called rescued from comfort after I just told them that they've been bought at a price? Like, this is not okay. Let's, let's realize. And he said, oh, this is what you're going to talk about today. And, and, and when we came in this morning, in fact, it was from the morning I got, I saw a mixed call and a message, you know. And somebody was asking if we're going to have church. And then I saw another message, somebody is not coming to church. So I decided to send that message to the group. They said, whatever happens this morning, we are going to be in church. So you can decide that you don't want to show up. That's okay. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When the Bible says that, it's not saying we will serve the Lord in comfort. We will serve the Lord when it's comfortable, convenient. To, in fact, there's a particular song we used to sing, Where We Come From, that says... When, it's, when, it's, when the fire is burning, I will follow Jesus. When the rain is, is falling, I will follow Jesus. When the fire is burning and the rain is burning, I will follow him. Wait for me, Jesus. I will follow you to the end. It's something like that. A very old song. You know, and that's, we grew up on those things. So, so when, and I understand that in this, in this culture, we have, I mean, we've served in churches in this culture, and the, 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 the mindset, or I don't want to call it an excuse, but the, what is projected is that we are, we are more concerned about people's safety than them gathering in the church. You are not more concerned about people's safety than Jesus is. Did you hear what I said? Jesus <laughs> is more concerned for my safety than you are. So I get that. I get that. You know, when, like I told you, if it's completely impossible for you to be here, like you can't, like I was, I was driving on the highway uh, coming here, and normally I, I don't, like I set my, my on, the, on the speed limits, on the, uh, what is called the cruise control, right? That's what I do when I'm coming. But I couldn't do that today. Yeah, so I came here all the way under 100. I don't like driving like that. That's not my way. But I told myself, if I keep doing this thing that I'm doing, going to the lane, I'm trying to overtake, I'll end up in a ditch then I won't be able to come here. So that's wisdom. You have to apply that. But to say because the weather is bad, it is raining, and the wind is blowing, I will not go to church. 
I, I find it very hard to take. Yeah, I find it very hard to accept. And I made up my mind. Whether there is power this morning or there's no power, if I had to preach to you the way Dockers did the other day, I would have done, I would have done it with joy and gladness. If I have the microphone that you can hear me better and everything looks good for the sake of those that are online and can watch us, that's also okay. But we would not tie our service of Jesus Christ to comfort, to whether or not it is convenient or comfortable. I know you will, you will quote and say to me that, but Matthew 11 verse 28 says that, uh, come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I know. But he also came to take away your comfort. You will tell me that 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, Jesus, for my sake, became poor so I can be rich. But I'm telling you that he came to take away your comfort. So I want to give you context for what I'm talking about. So that when you're going home, now, I, I did not say he, he came, he didn't come to, 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 to give you comfort. I'm saying he didn't come to make you comfortable. Please hear me out. Those are two different things. So having comfort for your soul is different from you being comfortable and laid back about everything. That you are looking for the slightest excuse why it will not happen. That every time they say, let's do this, but, but, <laughs> it's always about, it. so the, all the scenarios have to be perfect for you to, to agree that it should go ahead. That you are getting, you are being comfortable. And that's what Jesus came to, to, to actually destroy. Matthew chapter 10, let's read it. Matthew chapter 10, and let's go over this, Okay. Matthew 10, verse 24 to 39. It says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like, like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house, Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the here, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. This is why I always tell you that it's the person that sent you on an errand that you should be afraid of. Not the person you are going to deliver it to. Go back to verse 28. Then he says, he says but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your, of your hair are, are numbered. The very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you have more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Verse 34, Jesus said, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A lot of you have never experienced persecution of when somebody in a household uh, comes to the faith. I came from a Muslim background, so I have an idea what he's talking about. You heard Grandma Cindy's story the other day on Wednesday night about the fellow who, who surrendered his life to Jesus and ended up boiled with hot water. That's what he's talking about. So he's saying that you are going to follow me. It's going to come at a cost. Are you alive this morning? All right. Then he says, verse 36, and a man's enemies will be those of his own 
household. That's what he's talking about. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Let me give you the practical example of this thing. Some people are not in church this morning. Not because of the bad weather, but because their children were planned for sports this morning. Can I preach? Can I preach? The reason why some people are not in church this morning, it's not, it has nothing to do with the weather. My son has to go and play soccer. My son has to play hockey. I understand that your kids need to develop and to learn. But I'm saying to you that Jesus said, Jesus said, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Have you heard people say, especially immigrants, say something like, oh, I came to Canada because of my children. Have you heard that before? Oh, you are wrong. Did you hear me? You are wrong. You know, again, it's military stuff. I'm sure Bragari will understand this. When you are, you are in a military line, huh? they tell you, take dressing. You are wrong. Take dressing. What that means is align. Adjust yourself. Align. So I'm telling you this morning, take dressing. Take dressing from, from the bush. That's what we used to say to people that are wayward when we are marching. Take dressing from the bush, <laughs> which is adjust yourself. Align yourself. You are wrong. You were sent here on an assignment, on a mission. You are a soldier. You didn't come here because of your children. Because those children, they will leave you and they will go away. Some of them will not even follow the faith that you have because you are not showing them the way of the faith. They are going to end up following the, the hockey or the whatever. You know everybody thinks their children will end up in NHL. I'm touching some nerves this morning, but... That's every parent. That's why they, they fight so much in the hockey arena. My son is the next corner dad. He's a lie. He's not. Let me, let me face my message. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He says, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake, for my sake, this one is very crucial, for my sake will find it. We're not talking about you are, you are losing your life randomly. We are saying, for his sake, you will find it. Therefore, there is nothing that you lose following Jesus or doing his will that you will not get back. Nothing. Oh, I guarantee you nothing. There is nothing. So this, all these pursuits, you know, running around and just making life all about, you know, comfort and, and enjoyment and life just being good, it has never helped anybody. Let me bust your bubble. Let me bust your bubble. Comfort will kill your dreams. There are many of you that are looking at me this morning. Eh? In fact, I'm so, I'm so blessed that our church is this way. Somebody was, was saying to me this week uh, about a neighbor of theirs that is, a, that is a Nigerian. And he said, oh, but my neighbor told me she goes to church. That must be your church. I said, our church is not a Nigerian church. So that somebody is a Nigerian and I'm a Nigerian does not mean that they attend our church. In fact, if you come to our church, you will find that the minority, <laughs> Nigerians are in the minority. So I'm very happy about that. But the issue is this. You see, many times... When people, when people come to a new environment, they forget where they are coming from. They forget that when you want to go to church on a Sunday morning, you have to calculate the time when there will be power supply on the Saturday and iron your clothes. Otherwise, you will come with rough clothes. Oh, the Caucasians don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> You're like my kids. I would tell my kids, uh, when, we, when we were growing up, your mom and I, when we were growing up, you know, they'll be complaining. Oh, I don't want the bathroom upstairs. I'm going to go to the one downstairs. Hmm. 
So I tell them stories. I tell them that, you know, when your mom and I were growing up, we used to go to the house at the end of the street, which was the only house that had running water. We would carry the bucket on our head. You know what I'm talking about. Glory to God. We would carry the bucket of water on our head. That's child abuse already. <laughs> we stand under the water. The water will fill up the, the bucket. Then we'll use our finger to test whether it is full. Then we'll carry it like that from our head to our house. And we'll pour it in the, in the big uh, bowl. I'll fill it up. And when that is full, so anybody that wants to use that water, you are watching them like a demonic spirit. Don't go near that water. <laughs> don't go. Don't go near that water. That's how we grew up. That's how we grew up. And I turned out all right. I think so. Yeah. So you come, you now come to Canada. Because you turn on the, the water, everything's running. You turn on the power, everything's running. Then one day, it looks like things are off. You know how everybody drives like they are crazy when something is wrong? There's no, the, the, the traffic light just goes, everyone just starts acting weird. Like, relax, relax. So you now come to a country like this that everything is working. Then you now, you now start making demands and being all entitled. I'm not even talking culturally. I'm saying as a believer, that is wrong. That's wrong. As a believer, that's wrong. So like things are not, you know, exactly perfect or everything is, you know, comfortable. It means nothing. It means nothing. I'm telling you it means nothing. Because there are people who are serving God more than the way we are serving God here. Who are in places where they go to church on foot. They, are not, they don't have shoes or slippers or anything on. They have to walk to church. But they will go. They are going on empty stomach. No breakfast, nothing. There is no plan of how they will have lunch. But they will go there. And when they are singing, in fact, it was Jeremy who was telling the story when he, he went to preach somewhere in South Africa. And he saw the way the people were singing. He, was, he said he could not reconcile the, the, the joy with the physical condition of the people. That he looked at them and said, ah, with the way these people look and the way they are dressed, and the way, they should not be this happy. Something is wrong with us. <laughs> that they shouldn't be rejoicing this way with the way they are physical. And he said when it was time for them to give, that when he saw the offering, he said, ah, please, I can't take this. That they gave so much, and the pastor said, don't deny us our blessing. No. He packed it and chucked it into their hand. <laughs> he said, you must collect this money. That they gave so much, and he was looking at it and saying to himself that, how are people who are this, this impoverished, how do they have, that there is a different version of Christianity that we don't know in North America. A, there's a different version of Christianity. I'm tired of this easy Christianity. I'm tired of it. Look, if things are okay and they are comfortable and they are fine, enjoy it. There is something called abounding. But there's another thing that is called abasing, which is that when something now happens that is not the way it is. Now, I, I, this is how I train my boys. I, I tell them that, me, I'm not like their mom. Their mom is always no. But me, I'm more like God. My own is yes and amen. <laughs> but my own comes with conditions. So if, you, if you, they ask me for something, I will give it to them. But I will let them know that the day you ask me for this thing, and I tell you that I'm not able to give you today, and you start throwing a tantrum, that's the end of it. So, so you say, oh, today, like they like to go home with me because it's a plan or strategy. They will go home with me. They say, Daddy, I want to go home with you. Halfway through the journey, they start talking about McDonald's and ARW and all these things. They start saying, I'll give them. Then there'll be a week when I will decide that today, it doesn't matter what they say, I'm not giving them. It's a test. So they'll start talking about McDonald's. Say, Guys, today, there's no, there's no McDonald's, okay? Nothing. Then the, the, the first one will be like, oh. then, then the other one will tell him, don't cry. If you cry, you're you going to ruin it for us next time. Don't cry. <laughs> I'll just pretend like I, don't, I didn't hear them. But they are getting the message. So he will tell him, say, don't cry. You know daddy doesn't say no. If you cry, you're going to ruin it next time. You'll ruin it. 
So let me tell you three things, three quick thoughts, okay, about comfort. Number one, the gospel does not spread in comfort. Comfort did not bring us the gospel. If it was about comfort, we would not be Christians today. We would not be in this room. All of us would not know Jesus if it was about comfort. Because when Jesus was telling the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel, this is the picture that we have in our mind. That when Jesus came and said, go into the world and preach the gospel, that he came and said it with a smile. Like, go into all the... That's what you saw in the movie. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. No, that's not... Look, he didn't say it with a smile on his face. Oh, someone say, P.S., prove it. I'm glad you asked. So let's back it up a little bit and look at the, the Bible, okay? Is it okay if we look at the Bible? Mark chapter number 16. Let's read the Bible and see how this whole thing happened, how it actually happened. Mark chapter 16 from verse number 9. Now, this verse 9 to verse 11 is Mary Magdalene. She's the risen Lord, okay? That's when she saw Jesus. Now, when he rose early on the, on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not, please bear that in mind, they did not believe. Verse 12, now he's appearing to the two disciples on the road. After that, he appeared in another form to those of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and, he, and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Are you following the story? Verse 14. This is now where he gave the instruction, the great commission. Okay? Later, he appeared to the eleven. Judas was no longer there. As they sat at the table, and he... I bet you have never seen this word before. He rebuked their unbelief. So he didn't come there with a, with a smile on his face, say, boys, look who's back. Jesus of Nazareth. Guess who rose from the dead? No. No, he came there to rebuke them. So there was no smile on his face. He wasn't coming there saying, no, 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 no. Let's keep going. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world. Why are you still sitting here? Why are you still sitting here? The, the woman came and told you that you saw me. You didn't believe him. I told you before I died that I will raise, I'll be raised from the dead. You didn't believe that too. The two people came and told you, get up and go into all the world. He rebuked them. So this stuff is not the great commission. It's the great rebuke. Oh, am I, am I preaching heresy? It's the great rebuke. So he wasn't there smiling. Like, oh, you're, you're sitting around. Oh, I'm, I'm dead. I came to life. No, he said, go into, get up and go into all the world. You are too comfortable here. You're hiding from everybody and sitting in here and, and think that you're, no, 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 get up and go. So when you think about going to all the world, it's not this, you know, petty instruction. No, 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 no. It was something that Jesus said with a stern look on his face. And he's saying the same thing to you this morning. You are too comfortable. Get up and go. Get up. So everything is not, does not revolve around you. Uh, if, if, uh, everything is not you know, perfect for me. Yeah, you know, I don't like that church. No. I like this one. They said better coffee. Better coffee. I'm telling you why people make decisions of churches. I'm telling you literally the reason. That, no. The kids program there, I don't really know. I don't really know. Let me just face my message. Look, this instruction that Jesus gave them, the reason why people could literally lay down their life on, on this instruction 
the apostles, all of them were martyred. Every single one of them. Why? Because as, as they are going, they are remembering the look that they saw on Jesus' face when he told them to get up and go. So it's not that they, are, they just they say, oh, we are going to crucify you. And Peter said, I don't want to be like my master. Crucify me upside down. Upside down. No, they are remembering that, ah, Jesus came. The first thing that he said after he rose from the dead and all of them were together was not with a smile. He was upset with them. He rebuked their unbelief because it takes faith to get up and go. So just sit down there and just, you know, everything has to be comfortable. Life has to be, you know, one way or the other. Do you think Philip was, was just chilling at a, at a pool when the Ethiopian you know, got saved and salvation went to Africa and all this region? you think he was just chilling at a pool and told the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost wanted to move him and say, go and join this chariot? Say, no, Holy Ghost, I'd rather be at this pool. There's water here. It's a pool. Let the you know, come to the pool and be baptized here. Is that what we will say today as Christians? Ah. So let's find a pool where we can do baptism. Pool. After all, water is water, right? Calm down, Piers. Calm down. My, my, my blood is, is rising a bit. <laughs> because I am passionate about this stuff. We are too laid back, guys. We are too laid back. We are too laid back. John the Baptist was not in comfort. This is forerunner of Jesus Christ. Forerunner of Jesus. He said, give me a limo. I'm the forerunner, right? <laughs> I need a coat. That was the Alimo then. I need a coat, a donkey. I can ride around the city. I say, repent. Repent. Because if they see the donkey, they'll believe me more. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 1, verse 4 to 8. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached. But you eat three square meal and you don't preach. We're not even telling you to preach a sermon. I mean, none, none of you will ever get up on a, on a pulpit like me and say, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew. No, 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 that's what we're saying. We are saying you have an opportunity to tell your story to somebody. In fact, to begin with, nobody even knows you are a Christian. Nobody knows. Have you met those people that it is when something comes up, you know, in the office, or maybe you're trying to preach to them, that they now tell you, I'm actually a believer. And you'll be like, you need to get saved again. You won't tell them. Because I've not seen any trace that you're a believer. Hope you're not like that at work. That nobody can tell. Look, they must be so confused that they have to ask you. That, ah, what do you do? Are you into some spiritual stuff? Are you, you know, are you, you know, they will have a way of, you know, saying anything. But the point of it is that they must see the light on you that is shining. All we are saying is tell somebody your story. I was blind, now I can see. They can argue with you that, that God, you know, it does not exist. But you, when you tell them that I was there when he healed me, they can't argue with that. They can't argue with that. Nobody can argue with that. I was there when he delivered my, my children. So you can be arguing about whether God is alive or is not. But, but what I have seen is what I'm telling you about. 
But you have to step out of your comfort zone to do that. It's awkward. It's awkward. There's nothing comfortable about it. There's nothing convenient. I, I don't want to be awkward. It's so awkward. Just be asking people whether they go to church. No, no, no. This is awkward. I just want to be by myself. No, no, no. No. That's what we're talking about. That awkward is comfort. So when you step out of that, everything becomes awkward. It's awkward to be in a, uh, in a bus and ask somebody beside you, how, how are you doing today? <laughs> Haven't you had looks like that? People give you looks. Uh-huh. But you will repeat it. I just want you to know that God loves you. I assure you, as he's going, you'll be thinking about that. You'll be thinking about that. That might be the only thing that God brought you on that bus for that day. But it takes you getting out of your comfort zone, which is that everything revolves around me. That we don't want to step out of our routine and our, our plans. Everything is the way we have planned it. If they say, oh, can we come to church on a Saturday morning and, and just go around and, and talk to people? You're like, I'm not even part of a team in that church. I don't know why they're asking us to do this. So that's, that's the first thing. Your comfort will not spread the gospel. And that is the biggest thing that is on the heart of the Father. Jesus did not say it with a smile on his face. Number two, big dreams are never achieved in comfort. Now, I put the word big there just to qualify it because you can achieve a small dream in comfort. But I'm saying big dreams. When God is the one that sends you on something, you can't achieve it in comfort. Joshua chapter 1. From verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving you, the children of Israel. Now, how would you like to have served somebody for so long, and God is the one that comes to tell you that Moses, my servant, is dead. Now get up and go. Not that he didn't relocate to. <laughs> Oh, like we look at this out of the border. That's not what we're talking about. We are saying God comes to you and says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, Joshua did not know anything at this point about leading the people. All he had ever known was attached to Moses. And God said, get up and go. Because if he, if he stayed there and he was having a pity party and he was mourning, I, I, I wonder if God told him in this passage that take a break, take a vacation because of your mental health. I'm just, I'm just saying, huh? Take a vacation because of your mental health so that you will be in a better mental state to come back and lead my people. Take a break. For one year, go on a sabbatical, then come back. These are all the things that we have so normalized. It's almost as if the power of God has no, no effect over these things. So we have so normalized it that, no, no, no. And I'm, please, please listen to me. I know more than you. I've been trained in this stuff, okay? I talk people out of suicide. That's what I do for a living. So I'm not belittling it or telling you that it's not, there's no mental health. I have seen it in, in action. But I'm saying to you that the power of God, you are a believer, the power of God. Look, sometimes it has gotten to the point where I said, the day this thing happens, that's the day I will resign. Where sometimes I want to just say to people, in the name of Jesus Christ, because I know that all these things that you are dealing with, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. But they don't believe that stuff. So you have to go with all the, all the training and whatnot. But you as a believer cannot be tied to that thing. You cannot be. You cannot be at the mercy of an ambulance. Where you are waiting for an ambulance and you start to cry. Because the ambulance is taking so long and you are watching your loved one dying. And you cannot say in the name. Are you guys with me this morning? Please, this is not that church. This is not that church. So you cannot be at the mercy of anything. Anything at all. In the name that is above every other name. So you are not, not there just... Now, those things are there to help us. 
please hear me very well. Don't cut me out and quote me wrong. Uh-huh. Those things are there to, to help us. I work in, in, in that sector. So I understand it more than any of you. But what I'm saying to you is that it is too much for a believer to be under the mercy of a system. It is too much. You cannot be that Christian. No. You are above that stuff. Because the greater one lives in you. So this is how you operate. And this is the mindset that you carry. So you can, you, somebody might be having an issue, you can call 911. Get an ambulance going. Whereas they are coming in the name. When they come, they say, what happened? You say, ah, nothing's wrong with him. <laughs> That's because in the name that is above every other name. Glory to God. I need to finish this message. So God kept telling him, be, be, be strong and very courageous. Because God knew that he needed this. You will need it. The fact that you can look something in the face and declare something doesn't mean you are not afraid. We're not saying you are not afraid. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that you will understand that greater is he that is in me than he that is in that situation. And that's the way you operate as a believer. So don't, don't come to this country and, and look, if you want to be comfortable, you will never fulfill destiny. You will never fulfill destiny. When we were, we were in, in, in Vancouver, the, 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 our pastor in Vancouver that started their church, almost how many years is their church? I mean, almost 20 years now that they are there. The role that, that that church played in my life and the existence of Believer's House today, if he had chosen comfort, I would not be where I am today talking to you this morning. Yeah. If he had chosen, I, I want my life to be, you know, I just want to come to Canada and buy a nice house, live in a good guy. No, it will not, if I, I would not even be in this country today because how I got my permanent residence was him who single-handedly made up his mind that you are not going anywhere. <laughs> you are going to be the pastor of these teenagers. You are going nowhere. And got a lawyer, paid for everything, made sure that I stayed in this country. And this is somebody that has spent his life. Some of you are here this morning. What Believer's House has deposited in your life is because somebody is making a sacrifice. I'm not living a comfortable life. Now, I have good things around me. I'm saying I'm not living a comfortable life. When this morning, when I woke up this morning, and I, I, or yesterday, I woke up yesterday morning, which was the Saturday, and I realized that today is, Saturday is free, Sunday is free, I have Saturday to prepare for church, and I'm coming to church on Sunday, a smile broke up on my face. <laughs> that, ah, this is the dream. <laughs> this is good. Because it's not always like that. It's not. Sometimes I'm showing up here after 12 hours of talking to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. And I show up with a smile on my face. And I preach the word, and you are blessed. Because I chose to be uncomfortable. So that the dream can, can be fulfilled. Your dreams cannot be fulfilled inside comfort. I'm telling you this morning. You have to get up of, of, out of that comfort zone and go after what God has put in your heart. Otherwise, it will never be done. We were in Dallas the other time, and we, we saw, we went to, to an African store. Um, because the African store there, it's not like all these ones here. Those ones, they have food that is cooked, cooked food. They have ingredients, they have everything. <laughs> so if you want to eat like proper Nigerian food, they have it. If they want whatever. So we went there and we, we bought all our food, morning, afternoon, night food, we bought everything. So as we were leaving the place, my wife was talking about how the place was, how good everything looked. Like, look at how big this place is. Look at how, you know, like everything is so well done, well organized. I said, somebody has sacrificed his life. You remember this, this, his entire life to make that happen. Things like that don't happen by chance. Somebody is waking up every single day, and this is the only thing he's thinking about. He's showing up there, come rain, come shine, when everybody's doing vacation. 
when everybody's doing their, their children's birthday, when everybody's doing, you know I'm going to work on my wife's birthday? Yeah. So it's not that, you know, when everything is pleasant, everything is perfect, everything has to be aligned. No, dreams don't come to pass that way. They don't. So you see anybody building anything massive that is doing anything that you admire, somebody is paying the price to make that thing happen. And you have to pay the same price for your dreams. Nobody will do it for you. I can challenge you, I can talk, I can go, do family meeting, I tell you, do, you know, contribute, do your part. Blah, 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 blah. I know that you are not the one God called. I know that. It was me that God called. So the, the blood and the sweat, although not blood, literally, Jesus already did that one. <laughs> the sweat that will move this ministry to the next level is not dependent on you. No, it's not your own, it's not your own sweat. No, it's my own. Because I'm the one that God gave the vision to. And it's the same thing with you. There are, there are things in your life that God has put in your heart to do. When you were coming to this country, you had dreams. And I know I'm talking to immigrants this morning because that's the, that's the burden I feel. That people come to this country and they have lofty, lofty ambitions, lofty dreams. And not just that. It's people who you know that were doing great things in their home country. But they come here because of the level of comfort. And everything is so streamlined. They put you on a lane. You cannot go away from that lane. <laughs> you are on that lane. Whether you are, and that's why I said this, this uh, October, this financial series, I want to get some of you off that lane. Yeah, because that lane is the lane of repetition and cycle. Ah. I'm looking at the time and I'm just like, can I preach this morning? There was not supposed to be power anyway, so forget this time thing, Jabel. Let me preach. <laughs> Let me just preach. Number three, multiplication does not happen in comfort. So you are trying to, to achieve multiplication. I'm, I'm not saying addition. Multiplication. It cannot take place inside of comfort because nothing multiplies in comfort. John chapter 12, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Jesus was not comfortable when he was dying on the cross. <laughs> so this was not a game of, you know, you just say, oh, you know, Jesus. But what happened as a result of Jesus dying on the cross was that all of us, all six, you know, whatever, three billion or whatever of us that, that they say in the world, came as a result of Jesus understanding that if I don't lay down my own life, there will be no multiplication. It's the same thing for you. It's the same thing for you. So you are looking for something. This, this church, this believer's house, huh? will not multiply by everybody being comfortable. That's not the way it's going to happen. It will be that people are going out of, some of you, you were brought here because somebody else decided that I will not be comfortable. Some of you I, I, that, I, I, that are here, I know you were brought here because somebody took a, an operation one card and put your name on it and prayed you into this church. Yeah, you have to do the same for somebody else. It's not to sit every week and look around and say, ah, when are we going to multiply? It's dependent on when you come out of your comfort zone. <laughs> That's, that, it's as simple as that. And I'm not just talking multiplying the church. I'm talking multiplying the kingdom. That you were not saved to sit down on it. Jesus said, get up and go. As you are going about your life, make sure that you are preaching the gospel. That's literally what, what that translation says. As you go. So he wasn't, he wasn't expecting them to, to choose whether they would get up or not when he said it. <laughs> So it's almost like he has given instruction and say, as you are going. <laughs> because he assumes that they are already going. Glory to God. I know I'm preaching hard and fast this morning, but I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. 
Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Let me start to tie it up. We still want to worship God some more this morning. Revelation 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So he became the firstborn from the dead because he chose to lay down his own life. If he, if he didn't die, the sons of God would not have been multiplied. Therefore, God literally risked everything with Jesus. And it could have so gone wrong. Oh, it, it could have gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, because that was literally, you know when you're playing cards with your friend and you say, this is my last card. Okay, I think you're tired. So let me tie it up. Without pressure, gold is never refined. Gold cannot be refined without pressure. They say something that dogs of doom lay at the door of destiny. The, the version of it in my, in, my, in my culture, I don't know whether it's, it's right or I don't really like it, but it says something like uh, money is in the mouth of the lion. So if you are looking for real treasure, you can't stand at the, at the edge of the ocean, right? So that's, that's just the way it is. There's no way you look at it. There's nothing that comes out that is, that is shining and is bright. It has gone through fire. It has gone through fire. The reason why I can stand before you sometimes and teach some things, and as I'm teaching it, you are hearing me share examples and, and stories, and it's because God took me through stuff. Stuff that, as, as at the time that it was happening, it was as if, why is my life this hard? The, look, <laughs> sometimes I, I, I see guys, as I'm going in the city, I see some people, you know, they look like they are, they are new in the country. Maybe they have a big bag behind their back. They are dragging a bag. They are dragging. And, I, and I say to myself, I wish I could help this person, like stand, stand by the door, put them in my car, and take them. That's good. But if I do that, let me assure you, I'm not helping that fellow. Oh, I know many of you don't think like this because your own version of love is sweet love. There's something called tough love, which is that when we came to this country and we were going to Ikea to buy things in our house, I carried my son on my back and we climbed the hill on foot, my wife and I. We still tell the story to today among ourselves. When we are driving in our nice car with air conditioning, we are fighting about the temperature. I tell her, do you know when we're, we're carrying our children on our back and going to Ikea on foot? Do you remember that? Because you have to go through those things. You have to. So it's not that, you know, God, God doesn't love me or you whatever. No, 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 no. He's building something on the inside of you that you are going to need for the journey that is ahead of you. But many of us want to run away from that stuff. We don't want suffering. We don't want suffering. Anything that is not convenient, we don't want it. I think I should close. Do you think so? Okay, some of you don't want me to close, but some people are like, Pastor, is enough. <laughs> First John chapter 4, verse 4. You have God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Say this with me. The greater one lives in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let me remind you that just because you are anointed for it doesn't mean you will not be afraid. But you have to go ahead because you know that the person who is on the inside of you is greater than the challenge that is ahead of you. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.